Hello, you're listening to the C to Z of Movies. My name is Colin on the C. Joining me is Zijan the Z. Hello, Zijan. Hello, Colin. Guess what I did on Sunday night? Uh, did you weep and gnash your teeth and beat your chest uh, like the rest of us as England got knocked out of, well, not I've lost the final of Euro 2020 on penalties? No, I was at the cinema watching Black Widow for our <laughs> podcast. That's the kind of dedication you do for this podcast. Um, well, thank you so much, Eugene, for missing something you wouldn't have watched anyway. In order to, uh, <laughs> in the cinema. Oh, the cinema was empty. The cinema was so empty. It was wonderful. It was just, yeah, it was, it was just what? great to be in there. So a lot, yeah. of, lot, a lot of places were giving their employees time off and stuff. So was it the, the staff at the cinema, did they, did they look unhappy or did they look like they didn't care? <laughs> I didn't know. It's not like I go and ask them. Oh, do you? Are you said you're you're watching us watch the film. None of them watch the yeah. football. None of them were draped in England flags or doing keepy uppies or anything. Nope, definitely not. None of those. Do you know what? But do, also do you know very what, good cinema. Do you know what a keepy uppy is? Nope. Cool. Sorry. No, I don't worry about. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a football thing, but I wouldn't worry. Uh, yes, we we're talking Black Widow today. It's the uh, finally. Finally, the first film of Phase so Four. So long, yeah. It's not since Spider-Man was far from his home uh, in late 2019. Uh, it's back, 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 and we will talk all about it. We're also uh, talking about the films of Tom Hollander, not to be confused with Tom Holland. Uh, we've got a mm. quiz on the, the various adaptations of Snow White, and much, much, much more. more. We start oh, well. as we always do, Zijan, with a bit of moving news. Now, what people don't know. Uh, is that we're recording this a little earlier than we normally do. Um, so we've got less movie news than we would normally have, I think it's fair to say. Have you got anything at all? We should definitely not overpromise our beginning of our podcast by saying we have much more news where we don't really have much more news. Uh, I think we should. Uh, I think we should con people. They'll be like, oh, much, much more. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> now, people, people are eager to get to the Black Widow segment. This is good, this is good because we're going to be cutting, cutting to it very quickly. Of course they are. Okay, now, well, let's stick with the, the MCU then, kind of. Wonder Vision director Matt Shakeman will be directing the next Star Trek film. Um, yeah, which, so this, this one's bumped around a bit, hasn't it, the next Star Trek film? It has been. I mean, when was the last, the most recent one? I can't remember, it's been a while. Yeah, I'd, I'd say six, seven years ago, maybe. It was a long time ago, and J.J. Abrams uh, is on board to produce this, um, but he won't be directing this time around. Uh, it was okay. I enjoyed. I enjoyed the Star Trek films. Uh, I took them as what they are. Um, just good fun. So I, I liked the. I liked the, the first one back. Was it two thousand nine? Maybe I, I liked that one a lot. Uh, I didn't like the next two so much. But yeah, because there was talk of doing this whole thing with uh, with Chris uh, Hemsworth, yeah, playing the role of Kirk's father as he had done in the first one. Albeit he wasn't known then at all, really. Uh, apart from to fans of Home and Away, uh, and then the you know, negotiations fell through, and they, I think there was a financial thing, or maybe it was a script thing. I don't know. But yeah, I don't. I don't think any of the cast were officially signed on to this. So re- reboot again, or who knows? Who knows? I did like the cast, though. I think they they found yeah. a very very yeah. good cast. Yeah. But I imagine other than Zachary Quinto, who's not done huge amounts of stuff. They've all become more expensive over time, I'd have thought. <laughs> like your um, yeah, Zoe Saldana, I don't think was. I mean, she'd done plenty of stuff, I suppose. She probably didn't. She probably didn't Avatar by the time she was in that fairness, but um, but she wasn't as big as she is now. Certainly not Chris Hemsworth. So, uh, Chris Pine, yeah, it's a lot of money. Uh, 
Quentin Tarantino was going to be doing one, wasn't he? Uh, was he? But, uh, I wasn't aware of that. But yeah, there's this whole thing he was going to do an R-rated Star Trek. He was very excited by it. But um, I, I thought Quentin Tarantino is done making films, really. No. Uh, uh, I think he counts Kill Bill as one film, and therefore, ah, okay. he, and therefore, he's yeah. got one more. So, for those who don't know, Quentin Tarantino has always said he'll make ten films, and that's it. And that's it. Uh, but he he changes the rules a bit about exactly what counts as a film. <laughs> <laughs> well, because he always says that you know no one remembers the last film of any director because they're always quite bad. So you know he no, he wants to end on a high note. Basically, that's why he says he wants to end with ten films. Yeah. Not a chance. Uh, I reckon I'll keep going. Who knows? Um, the film Babylon uh, as will be directed by Damien Chazelle has already been called a sprawling film, which I think is uh, a, a mixed blessing. Uh, has added Gene Smart to the cast. That's where that's where we are on news. What? Um, there, there are better news than that. Colin, noted character sure. actress Gene Smart. There are way better <laughs> news than that. I've got two more after this. Um, oh, wow! But that's one. Babylon. I'm. I'm looking forward to Babylon. I don't think Gene Smart's participation has made me more or less uh, <laughs> eager to, uh, to see it. I didn't know why you didn't, didn't mention this bit of news. Uh, they are making a Wheel of Time film. Mm, that, is on, that is on my list, actually. Um, that's was going to be my big finish. Oh, really? Well, In as much as it's the third one oh, right now, or fourth one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're making, uh, well, they're making three Wheel of Time films. Yes. Um, so the, 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 they've hired the screenwriter for Thor and X-Men First Class, Zach Steins, uh, to script the first of the films. Um, they were, um, they will explore a different time in this tale. So for those who don't know, The Wheel of Time is a very, very famous series that I'm currently reading. Nice. That's Colin Knows, and Colin has read like twice or, or over, haven't you? Uh, three times, I think, maybe four. Uh, yeah, yeah I, it, I, I love this. In fact, I even uh, listened to some on audiobook as well. Yeah, so there are 14 books in total. Um, and surprisingly, there's actually a TV series that's coming out on Amazon right now uh, based on the books itself. So the films are not based on the books. Uh, they'll explore a different timeline altogether. This will be set several millennia before the time of the books. So in a period known as the Age of Legends. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, so the prequels, that, but as you say, they're not connected. They're not owned by Amazon. This thing is an entirely separate thing. I don't know how on earth... The, the, the book rights have worked out that they can do this, but apparently they can. Uh, it's Radar Pictures, apparently. I've never heard of. But, but Robert Jordan, who, who's the writer of this, this, this fantasy series, he has never written anything extensive about this period. So he's, there is a book called The World of the Wheel of Time, which goes into some of these things. And, and so that there are, and the, 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 there's occasional um, uh, prologues to the book. So, so we know something about it, but it's not like there is a, a an existing book to adapt for this uh, it's just it's, it's fairly uh, fresh which is an interesting way to go they've they've covered this before there was um so the prologue to the first book covers some of this time period and they made a short film uh, a very short film starring jeremy irons in fact um for this which wasn't very well received but yeah it does seem so weird to have these going on parallel but not to be connected confusing if I was Amazon I would not be happy that someone else was working on kind of, it, it's, it's their big I guess after Lord of the Rings it's their big landmark uh, ne- well, it, next fantasy series and, it, it, no it's Game of Thrones right that, that's what they're trying to do that's that's what, yeah to yeah that's obviously but, um, but yeah they're, they're gonna, I imagine they're going to put a lot of money and marketing behind Wheel of Time and then if you've got some other films happening 
that are not connected. That's got to yeah. be annoying. It would be. People will be wondering, is it a share universe? No one knows. Yeah, so I did read maybe the same thing you read, but it's just that Amazon might buy this out. Um, I mean, they got enough money to throw around. Maybe they will. Yeah, of course they do. They can go to space, right? They can go to space. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the Wheel of Time series a great deal. I'm like, that's coming out later this year. Uh, I can't wait. But these films, who knows? Who knows? I don't think that will happen, to be honest. There's, there's been so many false starts in making Wheel of Time films or series stuff over the years uh, at least they're not making films based on the books because i think that would be be, that'd be even more confusing yes yeah because yeah. uh yeah it's difficult because the books are so big and so extensive you definitely need a tv series yeah for the books yeah, yeah, to yeah. give it justice you know to do the books justice not not a film they can't do it in a film at all no no well, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that works out. There's another film uh, adaptation of a book. Um, this time it's The Rosie Project, uh, which is the first of a trilogy of books, uh, which I read last year and enjoyed a great deal. Um, this has been in the, in the pipeline for a while, but now Henry Cavill is lined up to play Don Tillman, the lead character in those books. Um, for those anyone who doesn't know, uh, he is a professor who basically is trying to find a wife. Um, and he has these kind of list of characteristics of people that he's looking uh, or women that he's looking for uh, and what they need to be like and he meets a girl called rosie uh who is not very similar to any of those things in his list uh, in the book the first one's called the rosie project uh, and i say the first of a trilogy I, previously ryan reynolds was linked to this and i thought that was terrible casting to be honest i think he's a uh completely wrong for the role henry cavill i'm not entirely convinced by but i think it's a better a better choice uh he'll be playing against type henry cavill i would say have you read this? I, no, I, I'm not. I read this. Uh, I've read about this piece of news, but yeah. I've seen the. I read. I don't read the book itself. Yeah, I mean, so Ryan Reynolds just seemed completely wrong for it. Henry Cavill, mm. yeah, it's still fairly against type. Yeah, um, it could work. I, I think Jennifer Lawrence was signed up once as well for Rosie. Yes, I think she'd be a good Rosie. Although I don't think she's attached anymore. But, uh, I don't think she's doing anything else anymore for a while. Well, she's got this film out later this year, and she's on Netflix. Um, Always look up? No, don't don't look up. The the one with the all star cast of Leonardo DiCaprio, Mel Streep, and Matthew Perry. Lots of people. Ah, okay. Oh, looking forward to that. Is that all your news then? Uh, that's all I've got. That's all I've got. <laughs> uh, well, I've got a few more just to pad out a little bit. Lovely. So, uh, a few years ago, Zack Snyder was interested in making a Star Wars film. Uh, he was rejected soundly by Disney. So now he's shooting an original film called. Rebel Moon for Netflix, which is a Star Wars like film. <laughs> Good Netflix. luck to him. Alright, Zack Snyder has his fans, so he is bound to be popular with his fans. I mean, he is like Mama, isn't he? So yeah. either you love him or you hate him. Um, yeah, so, well, I'm in hopefully. The, I'm in the hate category myself. Um, I know you are. Did you watch that zombie thing? Did you talk about it on here? No, I didn't watch the no, fine, zombie okay. films, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, he, he loves a franchise, it seems. So he's quite keen to get this zombie franchise. And now he wants to get a. So, did you ever watch Bright? I think on Netflix, uh, Will Smith and Joel Edgerton and Orcs and stuff. Oh, no, no, no. That's the. Yeah, I haven't watched Cause it. Because Max Landis wrote that, and apparently he said that was going to be his Star Wars. So. Uh, it didn't turn out that way, I don't think. Everyone wants their Star Wars. Everyone wants their own Star Wars. Didn't you audition for Star Wars, did you? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I definitely did. Yep. That was a long time ago, back in Bristol. In the galaxy for, far, far away. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, when they were looking for Finn and Ray, all the way back then, they were looking for unknowns. But obviously, unknowns 
who uh, who had acting some acting yeah exactly not just unknown unknowns they should definitely put that in the criteria yeah actuary is not accepted even though we have the word act in our title yes oh if only you got in the room you could have made that could have made that made that claim the history of Star Wars could have been very different Zijan if you played Ray or Poe or Finn well they could have given me more screen time yeah well you could have been a hate camp a hate figure Ooh, I've always wanted to be a fan. <laughs> uh, what else you got? Um, there's some speculation. Ooh, we all love speculation as mm-hmm. part of our news. Uh, Hugh Jackman may be returning as Wolverine. Well, you, you put this in. Well, yeah, I, I like putting this kind of things in. I saw this, and there's no way in a million years. You, I, 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 you, you heard it here first, people. Uh, you can clip this out, and you can bring it back to me but uh, there's no way Hugh Jackman is coming back he did it for 17 but, years but, but, but there was a picture with him with Kevin Feige yeah great <laughs> do you Colin, think if I ever have a picture of Kevin Feige you bet I'll be in the next Marvel film yeah and no, if you do it I'll be like okay we've finally got the new I don't know Green Goblin and it's Zijan <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no there's if he was going to be back as Wolverine I think that would be top secret. And I don't think Hugh Jackman would just go and put a picture of him hanging out with Kevin Feige on his Instagram. Just a few speculations. You know how, what they like to do. I I think it's a really, in in fairness, I could see him, having having said all that, I could see him doing a cameo, like a a 30 second or, or thing, where if they're going through multiverses, I could see him kind of coming in for a brief period like that. Uh, I can't see him full on playing the character again. No, he ended the he ended Wolverine's story well in Logan. So uh, yeah, I yeah. don't think there's much more to say about the story. You know, anything that they add to it will only detract from the ending. Yeah, I, yeah, Log- so exactly. Logan was a, was a perfect send off. Yeah, I think it'd be a huge mistake. I I don't think they're gonna go down the Wolverine route. Disney, I think when they bring the, the mutants in. No, I really hope they don't recast Wolverine for a long time as well. No, I, I think it, it'd be foolish to kind of say, hey, you know that really successful popular one that everyone loves? We're going to do that one, but we're going to change it. Surely you, if you're going to bring mutants in, you pick the ones people either that haven't done well or that haven't been used at all. Because like, no one's going to be like, oh no, I can't believe you're doing Jean Grey again. I loved that. I loved We S- want another Phoenix Saga. Yeah, I loved Sophie Turner. Uh, yeah, they, they better not do a Phoenix Saga again. But uh, yeah, that it's, it's going to be tough because I think we've already had two lots of most of these. I guess Wolverine, at least we've only had one person do him. But if you look at Professor X or Magneto or Jean Grey or Cyclops or whatever else, we've had two lots of most of them. So, yeah, what are they going to do? Fantastic Four, that's what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that it? And uh, my last bit of news is that Michelle Williams will be playing Catherine Parr, oh, yeah. Firebrand. So, for those who don't know their British history, Catherine Parr is the last of Henry VIII's wives, the one who survived. Um, yeah, she was married twice before and was the first woman to publish under her own name in England. So she was did she? stuff. Yeah, apparently. Huh, didn't know that. There you go. Well, the, the six wives of Henry VIII have gotten some traction recently with the musical Six. I'm not sure whether you heard I of have. I, I have heard it. I even heard a song from it. Yeah, so it's it's very popular. Uh, I've seen it in in the Western. It's immensely popular in the states as well. So 
the six fives are getting a lot of traction, so I'm not surprised that films about them are starting to come the, out. We well. had the the other Berlin girl. That's going back a few years now. That's a long time ago. That's, <laughs> that's a long. That's a Scarlett Johansson. That's and, and when Eric Banner was relevant. Ooh, take that, Eric Banner! Wow, it's true though. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I want to argue with you, but uh, but I can't think of anything he's done for a long time. So mm-hmm. sorry, sorry, Eric. Uh, yeah, I mean, the one is having the eighth is, is one of the very few things we learned in school history lessons over here. It's um, years of Tudors. Well, good, good for Michelle Williams. I don't know what her British accent is like. I do like Michelle Williams, though. I think she's a great actress. So I assume Catherine yeah. Power was British. Maybe she wasn't. There you go. That's all my news. Lovely. Um, we move on then to the segment to see or not to Z, and we talk about films we have seen recently and tell you, the listener, whether you should see them or not Z them. Zijan, uh, have you been taking the opportunity to go to the cinema during any other major national events? <laughs> no, I didn't, did not go to the cinema, but, but I've seen a film on BBC iPlayer. I'm not sure whether it's on now still. I saw X plus Y. Oh, yeah, the, about the, the math kids. Yeah, about the Mads kids. For some reason, um, I don't know why, but my YouTube suggestions are now about solving Olympiad Mads questions. Nice. Yeah, and that's like piqued my interest. Because, yeah, I, used to, I have participated in the Olympiads in Malaysia, not the international ones, but uh, the pre-selections. I've participated in that before. So it's been a while since uh, uh, I've done or seen any of these questions. And it's a good, you know, it's a good memory. It's a very yeah, good memory. I, I, did, uh, I did those uh, over here. It's good times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so in X plus Y, it stars a very young Asa Butterfield. So it's, it's not a very recent film. It's quite an old film, to be fair. Well, when I say old, it's like in the last 10 years. I can't remember how yeah. old it was. It's yeah. wrong there. Yeah. Um, as a young math prodigy who has uh, difficulty understanding people, and he was chosen to represent the UK in the, in the International Math Olympiad. So he has, his mom is played by Sally Hawkins, who is wonderful. And his teacher is played by Rafe Spall. Hmm. Spal, I'm mispronouncing his last name, who's also great as well. But yeah, I mean, it's a very cookie cutter kind of film. You kind of know where it, where it's going to go, you know. I mean, it's there have been lots of films out there about prodigies, hmm. um, you know, who who have diffi- who have who are difficult in social situations. So, you know, it's not a very uncommon story, but it's told very well and it's acted fantastically by the three actors. So. Yeah, I, I saw this on Netflix a few years ago, and to be honest, I don't remember. I remember enjoying it at the time, but I don't remember huge amounts about it, so I guess that fits. I'm, I'm always intrigued by maths films, whether they whether they really commit to the maths, mm. or whether... So, I mean, in fairness, this is, this is kids doing maths, so it's not kind of like genius level. Exactly. Stuff. But you, you get some... In fact, I, I refer you to an earlier podcast in this episode, Maths in Film, that I did with my friend Anthony uh, when you were off sometime. But, um, but sometimes they uh, sometimes they do commit to it. Sometimes they do stuff that isn't very difficult maths and just pretend it is. And sometimes they just... You used to talk about goodwill hunting. It's always goodwill hunting. And sometimes they they decide there's a metaphor from the maths and just talk about that a lot. Which, um, the theory of everything. There's like... Uh, so it's as if you could go back in time yes okay that's a bit like me going back in time in my life and we're going to dance in a circle uh, I can't remember how this one does it but I suspect they probably put some proper maths in yeah yeah there, there, there were a few questions uh, but yeah there, there weren't that many it's mostly focusing on you know Essa Butterfield and his struggles right with socially 
Uh, and him falling in love with, uh, with a Chinese uh, student uh, in yeah when he went to China for the training. Ah, there you go. Uh, I, I've been watching. I've mostly been wa- rewatching uh, MCU films these last really week or two. Huh. Um, I've, I think I've watched maybe seven. So finally, seven. make useful use of your Disney Plus. Uh, uh, I love it on Disney Plus. I've got them all on DVD anyway. So. Um, <laughs> So yes, but uh, I'm not going to talk about those. I'm going to talk about a film called Nothing to Lose, which again is on Disney Plus, um, which stars Tim Robbins and Martin Lawrence. Uh, it's from 1997. It, he, Tim Robbins is an uh, advertising executive uh, who who discovers his wife is cheating on him, and so drives off uh, disconstantly. And then Martin Lawrence uh, tries to steal his wallet and car. Well, just his wallet. He jumps in the car with a gun, and Tim Robbins is like, "Do what you like, mate." I've got nothing to lose. He doesn't actually use the phrase "I've got nothing to lose," but that's what's going on there. And they get get up to some hijinks. Um, it's not great. <laughs> I can't. I was. I think the first five minutes or so, I was like, "Oh, this, is, this seems really good." And then Martin Lawrence turned up, acting like massively hammerly all the way up to eleven, over the top. And I thought, oh, maybe maybe not so much. It's 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 not terrible. It's a reasonable way to spend an hour and a half. Mm. Um, but yeah. I can't really recommend anyone rushes out to see this. Uh, however, do you know the um, the Coolio song "See You When You Get There"? I think so. <laughs> it's a song that, when in my youth, I knew pretty much all the words to. Uh, imagine my surprise when I got to the end of this fairly unnotable uh, film and discovered that it was the film that uh, had "See You When You Get There" as a soundtrack song as it played over the credits. <laughs> Um, I'm always amazed by nice. song, quite quite well known songs that were tied into very little known films. So there you go, you had that going for it. Good times. Um, speaking of films, speaking of wow, <laughs> wow, you done some very bad segues before college, but this must be the worst. Okay, let me see if I, let me have another crack at that to see if I can do better. Um, speaking of people on the run who meet up with other people. Wow. No, there's no connections between Nothing to Lose and Black I think, Widow. I think English loss has affected you more than you realise. <laughs> um, I, I really don't think there was any connection whatsoever between these two, these two, no, two films. <laughs> no, there is. At one point, a spider crawls on him. Uh, and speaking of spiders, it's Black Widow. Uh, it is uh, Scarlett Johansson. She's back from the dead in a prequel set between Civil War and Infinity War between the wars, an interwar film. Uh, I've, I've already done more of an instruction than I would normally do. I'll, I'll, pass, yeah. I'll pass the baton to you, Zijan. Well, as, as usual, we'll be doing non-spoilers first and then spoilers afterwards. I'm not too sure whether there's much spoilers to be spoiled, um, especially since we know, you know she'll survive because we know she'll die <laughs> in, in, yeah. uh, in Avengers Endgame. So yeah. that, there you go. Um, but... Yeah, uh, as as you set it up brilliantly, this was um, set after Civil War. So for those who are who cannot remember or who are not MCU fans, so in this the is Civil how War, our this how our podcast began. Zijan was our first ever episode was Civil War. Oh wow, wow! Oh, how far we've come. <laughs> um, so in Civil War, what happened was that there was a rift between uh, Captain America and Iron Man. Um, because Iron Man wants to regulate all superheroes um, and Captain America was against it um, and on top of that there was some other extra drama when Bucky came into the picture and he killed like um, Black Panther's father 
uh, lots of additional drama. But in at the end of the film, most of Captain America's side who were against this law to regulate superheroes were captured. Hmm. Um, apart from Black Widow, uh, so this picked up from there, and we found out what happened to Black Widow uh, after Civil War. Really. Yeah, uh, as it turns out, she goes a little mission of her own. Um, so, directed by Kate Shortland, uh, who's an Australian director. I think this is one of her, her first films. I'm not too sure I've known any of her other films before. Scarlett Johansson is obviously back as Natasha Romanoff. Um, Florence Pugh, David Harbour and Rachel Weisz uh, forms the rest of the cast. Yeah. Yep. Um so uh, I say that I think there are a few things to spoil here, but um, so we'll get to those. But I think there were some people who were hoping this was going to be a uh, a film in which Black Widow is swapped out, or in, in some way there's a there's a way that she survives. So you get mm. to end the film and they say, "Ah, oh, we're going to clone you now," or, or something. I don't think that was ever likely. Or, or they use the, the the whole face thing. <laughs> yeah, like use so much the face swapping yeah. thing. Face swapping is back for. The, well, I think wasn't it in the TV series. Um, Captain uh, Winter Falcon. Winter Falcon, yes. Winter Falcon, that series. That one. I'm sure you're sure there's some face swapping, but otherwise, the first face swapping we've seen in films since uh, Winter Soldier. Uh, yeah, there's none of that. It's uh, there's very little. I, I thought there'd be some more foreshadowing of 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 Infinity War Endgame. I thought there'd be a big emotional send off and a don't worry, guys, I'll see you all in a bit. But there wasn't any of that. It was, it was well, kind of a, it was kind of almost uh, ignored. I thought maybe, maybe <laughs> well, more. I think I was uh, watching an interview with Scott Johnson. I mean, the the good thing about this film is that there's nothing to tie to anything else. So, mm. which was a good thing for the film. Like the problem with I think a lot of some of the MCU films had was that they need to lead to a different story. They're all part of this shared universe, so they all need to tie to one another. Whereas this one, it could be seen as a standalone because, um, yeah. It doesn't necessarily lead to anything else in the future. I mean, yeah, there, there was very little crossover at all. And I, and I, in the one hand, I, I quite like that. I don't, this kind of this habit we've got into of just getting really excited when we see someone from something else. Uh, I think it's probably gone too far. I don't, I don't want to watch it just to tie things up or just to to, to um, hint at new stuff. And there were rumours that Robert Downey Jr. would be in it or Chris Evans. I, I, that never seemed likely to me. But I was surprised how little there was. I was I was definitely expecting uh, a Hawkeye appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought I thought that would be uh, I thought that would be part of some flashbacks. And at one point, I thought we heard his voice, but I could be wrong. So I'm surprised they didn't do that. Surprised they didn't do that. Technically, he's supposed to be at home. We're on the ranch, right? On- yeah, but w- when they did flashbacks to Budapest. Yeah, I was expecting a, I, was, I was expecting a fairly prolonged sequence with him in, and that didn't just didn't happen at all. Mm-hmm. Well, for those who don't know as well, Budapest was mentioned in the first Avengers mm. uh, when uh, Loki was taunting Black Widow, um, and he was mentioning all the blood that she had on her hands in Budapest. So this was addressed in this film what, as well. Uh, well, yeah, because Hawkeye said this. This reminds me. of know she says it's just like Budapest, and he says. We remember Budapest very differently, but do you remember what else Loki taunted her with? Oh, I thought it's about her ledger being red. It right? was, uh, but one of the things he said was, um, "Can you get that much red, Dracoff's daughter?" Um, which is what this film is paying off because you see uh, in this film her. Uh, this may be a slightly spoilery. Uh, her killing Dracoff's daughter, 
And I've not seen anyone else yet, or very few people, tweak that that is a payoff to that line. That's very, very good. At least they do that, right? I That's like that. That's the wonderful thing about yeah. Marvel. There's little knots here and there. Um, so it starts off with, with um, uh, I guess, a little flashback in Ohio in late 90s, is it? Um, you see Black Widow, well, Natasha, and her sister as, as kids. Um, with David Harbour and Rachel Weisz as their parents, although it turns out uh, it's a fake family. Um, yeah, and they, they, this are an American's worst nightmare: Russian spies in America spies. pretending to be Americans. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, t- uh, how topical this might this would have been more topical had it come out when it was supposed to. I suppose. Yeah. Um, let's let's talk about the cast. Um, I mean, let's start with Scarlett Johansson. Why not? Uh, this is her. 78th time playing this character um, <laughs> she's played this since Iron Man 2 and Iron Man 2 is the third MCU film in this is 2009 the, was it yeah it was a while back so this is the number what MCU film I can't even count 26th maybe <sighs> wow uh, something like that She, yeah I think she's played it 8 times um, maybe 9 yeah I mean she, she knows this character well I say she knows this character inside out this 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 probably brings me on to one of my main points, but uh, I I don't really think Black Widow has been consistently written throughout <laughs> these films. So as as you know and as listeners know, I'm a big fan of Joss Whedon's uh, take on this on the Avengers in general. I think he wrote Black Widow really well, kind of bringing out the vulnerability as well as the strength. Uh, I think if you compare that to say how she appeared in uh, certainly Iron Man two, but also Winter Soldier, I think you don't see any of that vulnerability really just see this kind of dynamic action character mm-hmm. um and then yeah civil war you see a little bit of both i suppose and endgame you get uh you get the more emotional side again but it, it's difficult to put your finger on exactly what black widow is in that respect i can see that but i think part of the whole attraction of black widow is her this whole enigma behind her right because no one knows much about her she's mysterious you know she can be whatever she wants to be and i guess that 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 what's make her makes the character very interesting because she's just a mystery to everyone really no one knows her apart from uh hawkeye yeah i always like that kind of that that hawkeye did and that uh, hawkeye's family referred to her as auntie nat and stuff i thought that was a nice nice touch to kind of say there are some people to know and we get some more people who know her here so um her adoptive family who she's not seen since she was a kid uh florence Pugh is is was they they haven't given a title but she is the the new widow widow. effectively i I still think white widow is where they're going to go with it but that's um that's not based on anything other than the fact she, she wore white but they all did uh She's got a flipping Russian accent. She's uh, she's playing it Russian, unlike Scarlett Johansson. Yep, who's playing uh, all American. Yeah, I quite like the idea that they kind of got around it by just the point at which they left Ohio. You, you could just about believe that Scarlett kept, or Natasha kept her Russian, her American accent because she mm. grew up in America long enough. I thought Florence Pugh was good. Uh, really good, in fact. I think she's a great actress. Yeah, I thought she was a revelation in this film. Like, she was... She was funny. Um, she uh, she was vulnerable at part, parts. She was emotional at parts. Uh, her, her, her sarcasm quips, her sarcastic mm. quips, quips are the best. They're so funny. Like she says that with such wit and. <laughs> yes, yeah, this bit we seem like she's saying, "Why do you always land in that pose?" Which <laughs> uh, was quite self-aware, but quite uh, was was funny. Yeah, I think she'll be she'll. 
obviously she's signed on I imagine for a lot of films she'll be playing mm. a big part in uh, in the MCU going forward I would have thought honestly Marvel is really good at casting people yes they are aren't they I have to say yeah, yeah. so good at casting uh, so this, I think this is also always felt a bit like a kind of passing the baton over kind of film as well yep um, uh, David Harbour fresh from playing uh, Hellboy and playing minor characters in I want to say Suicide Squad and Green Hornet but I could be wrong um, is, is Red Guardian he's a he's a Russian basically the Russian equivalent to Captain America except that he never did anything nope he didn't he's just basically there as the comic relief of the film that's it yes did he, he literally contributed zero um, to the plot yeah it feels, so he's a super soldier he's annoyed because in uh, in Ohio he had to go in deep undercover he, he's then been in prison ever since then so I guess all his super soldiering happened before the film started um in the 80s and I think what, what exactly was the point of making him a super soldier because you get a nice bit where he, throw, he tips over a truck or something really yep, and just to send him to prison for like 30 years maybe yeah so f- yeah for the, for the point of view of Russia what was the point for the point of view of this <laughs> film what was the point <laughs> I don't because he, he doesn't even have any like you think okay if you put him if you then put him in a fight sequence with a super powered character yeah that kind of makes but I don't think that happened <laughs> Nope, that didn't happen at all. It, it, yeah, he's uh, as much as I do like David Harbour, mm. and I do like him in Stranger Things, and I did appreciate the the, the comic mm. relief he brought yeah. to the film. I read it. He was he was actually quite funny at points. Uh, I laughed yeah. a lot at a lot of yeah. it, but he really did not add anything to the film. No, I mean this this, you know, this idea of someone who was a superhero but has put on loads of weight and has been forgotten about and has kind of. Put, yeah, he's he's thinking people still love him, remember him when no one does. That's quite funny. I, I like that mm. concept, but I don't think it was used very well. No, in this they could film. have done much more with that. Yeah, but maybe they will. Maybe they will. Maybe they'll have another. Yeah, maybe film he'll, maybe him. he'll be back. But uh, like, and there's some nice references to um, like he was saying, "Oh, does Captain America ever talk about me?" Which doesn't make any sense because Captain America was in the ice the entire time he was around, <laughs> and only came out when he was already been in prison for a decade or something. So, uh, but still, uh, and Rachel Weiss, uh, the adoptive mother, uh, who, who was also a black widow. He was, yeah, or a widow of some variety. Um, yeah, she, she nailed it. That was good. Yeah, she's yeah. I love Rachel Weiss. Uh, she was really good in that uh, performance. Okay. I, I think the four are a really good foursome. To be honest, like they they bounce off each other very well. There's very good chemistry between the four. They feel like a a family, a, a dysfunctional family uh, of sorts. I guess that's what the film was playing at, right? So yeah, I, th- I think I think Black Widow works best in a team, and I think they realised that, and so put her in a different team. Um, and and yeah, this this fandom, it seemed slightly, I don't know, it seems slightly weird to introduce it at this point, because mm. uh, obviously we're not going to see most of them again. I would have thought, and this, uh, and obviously. Um, part of the whole big thing about Black Widow is that you don't know her past and, and she's alone and the Avengers were her first real family and this kind of mm-hmm. goes back a little bit on that but it was it was a nice dynamic it was good good uh, good group quite enjoyed them um, the so uh, Taskmaster is the villain mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd never heard of Taskmaster, but apparently he's a bit of a fan favorite. Yes, and he was severely underused in this film, I have to say. Yeah, yeah. So badly under underutilized. Um, Taskmaster is a fan favorite because, I mean, his powers, he mimics, you know, he mimics all the superheroes, so he can pretty much do everything Captain America does. He doesn't have any superpowers, so obviously he cannot heal quickly or he cannot... Hmm. Um, uh, run quickly or have the strength of them but he can mimic and copy all the abilities whatever he sees and it was just poorly used in this film um, and this is one gripe that I have on this film in general like I thought the action scenes were pretty subpar for a Marvel film so, so I mean, let's, talk, let's go back to Taskmaster for a second just because I think uh, the, the concept of this film you can mimic anything is quite a fun idea I think exactly. I think you're right they really struggle to bring that onto a film partly because unless we're professional choreographers hmm. most characters fighting styles are not that distinguishable I don't exactly, think that's fair yeah. to say so you've got some nice scenes where Taskmaster and, and Black Widow they're doing exactly the same moves to each other to kind of mirror him that, that's quite fun but then you just otherwise you just have to get him throwing shields or, or shooting arrows because you have to think that oh that may be like what Captain America would have done, or Hawkeye yeah. would have done. And at one point, he he shows some claws like Black Panther. But I think, yeah, it's not really a not really a, a learnt style, is it? To 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 throw throw a shield or to use a bow and arrow. It's like that's not a that's not a new thing. So yeah, I, I don't think they made the best use of of that. I agree. And, and in terms of the action scenes, so I thought the first one in Budapest was wasn't great. It kind of a, it reminded me of kind of Fast and Furious type stuff. I thought this is just things crashing i thought the um the one in the snow when they're breaking uh when they're breaking out. david harper out of prison i thought was much better i enjoyed that mm, I, I think in general for for a film where the main character does not have any superpowers right mm. so you really need to focus on what makes her stand now why what makes her stand toe-to-toe with the other avengers because she must be a good fighter in her, in her own right and i don't think this film showed it well enough like the shots were really poor uh, when it comes to like the fight choreography like sometimes you just don't can't see what's happening right um and it's yeah like if you've seen any of the daredevil uh tv shows you can see how good fight how good fight choreography can look like you know it's very visceral it's very tactile it's very in your face and you know you get to see everything that's going on and in a film where you have two characters uh, well multiple characters who do not have uh, superhero powers you want to see that shown more and I don't think this film did that any justice yeah uh, and yeah we've talked about Black Widow's character but I think as a she's a spy isn't she that's her thing she's a, she's a super spy uh, and there wasn't a huge opportunity to do lots of spying really no. um, I, I get this is quite tough for MCU because they to, to build a film around someone who doesn't have any superpowers at, at this point in their story you do think, well, what, what do you do with it? But yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what she did that wouldn't be done equally well by any other character. Um, it, it, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Shang-Chi as well, because that's coming up, and he doesn't have superhero powers either, and he's predominantly a martial artist. Right, so, right. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping it'll be better than this, because I thought the action scenes were pretty poor in this. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, not not, not hugely memorable. I think yeah, seeing the dynamic between the characters was more was more interesting. What I did like is that um, it wasn't just a generic espionage film. We did get references to the Red Room, to the, the kind of the other widows that had come up. Um, so it played into a backstory like that, which was which is uh, which was good. It was nice to see. Uh, 
Mm. I'm running out of non-spoilery stuff. You got anything else? On- no, uh, me too. Like, I, I, I think the story is one of the strongest points of this film. I'm happy to keep the story exactly the same, but tighten up the action shots right. a lot and give Taskmaster more of a meteor role. Because I feel um, that, you know, we, we may touch on this later on as well, but I feel that this was a good send-off for the Black Widow character that most people have come to love. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm... I'm not sure it was. Uh, I mean, it wasn't a bad film. I thought it was, it was fairly um, average in the MCU. But uh, I feel it wasn't a great sense just because this film belonged four or five years ago, I think. I think ah. if if this film had come out after, well, after Civil War, say, yep. uh, or after Age of Ultron, or basically at, at some point where you know, Black Widow's future was ahead of her, she's, she's a big character, she deserves her own film. Let's give her something fun to do. Let's give her a nice side mission. Great. But it, it seems so weird to have say, we're going to do all this endgame stuff, we're going to go off into space, we're going to go into parallel dimensions, and now we're going to have a film about this character who's already dead. Um, the the pre- stakes seem smaller, right? Yeah, yeah small okay, stakes, small character. And I think I I would have loved a film for, say, four or five years ago. I would, And I also think, yeah, I would have loved to see uh, with Clint Barton, Hawkeye, I, I I really like that kind of that friendship because it's it's so it's the only kind of strong friendship, isn't it? Um, mm. Or these strong male female friendship, or the strong one that go, that predates the Avengers. So I know that uh, like Cap, Cap and Iron Man and stuff get on well, but they kind of have to have some backstory. I would have liked to see them go on a mission together, and, and at a time when a lot of films, so um, Thor, Ragnarok, or even Winter Soldier, you, you do get pair ups. I don't know. I would have preferred that, and you know that I'm a big fan of Bruce and Natasha. So, yep. I, so I, that was never going to happen, but I would have loved to see it. Mm. So, um, okay, uh, spoilers. What have you got? Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Well, the, I mean, the main spoiler which we touched upon is Taskmaster's identity. Mm. So, yeah, Taskmaster in the books. Uh, oh, I can't remember the name of him, uh, his name already. But in the in the film, it turns out that he is actually the daughter. Draco's daughter. Draco's daughter that uh, Natasha supposedly killed in Budapest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was one of the things that has haunted her, was killing this girl, this young girl, who was there as kind of collateral damage for killing Dracoff, who re- retroactively was the guy who ran all the, the red rooms, or the red, mm. I guess the model red rooms. Um, and she's always felt bad about this, but it's okay because she didn't actually die. She was just horribly scarred. Very, very horribly scarred. Yeah. Surprisingly, though, like, for for a super spy, like, Natasha was there and so was Clint, right? They, they didn't really make sure that <laughs> check, they killed you? the right people. <laughs> I, did you, do you think got Clint's voice? I thought we had Clint's voice on, uh, on her earpiece, but I could be wrong. No, I, I didn't hear no, that. Fair enough, maybe wrong. Uh, and it turns out Ray Winston is, in fact, uh, the main villain. He plays Dracoff. I didn't know he was in this film. Um, you, you see a lot of him in the opening credits. Um, so the opening credits is just lots of shots of him with world leaders and stuff. And you think, oh, maybe this guy is important. Uh, but he's been running it all behind the scenes. He wants to take over the world or something. Yeah, he just wants to control everything, right? That's going on in the world. Yeah. He. And it also. He's okay? Yeah. He, well. Yeah. He's very bland. He can't do a Russian accent to save his life. It's <laughs> terrible. Terrible. A film of this kind of budget. Can't get someone who can do an accent. Anyway. Um, what what I thought was slightly odd is that slightly um, 
uh, retconning of what the Red Rooms actually were. So we saw kind of flashbacks in Age of Ultron where they're being brainwashed. But this seems like it's very kind of chemically brainwashed in that if they get this special red dust stuff, then then they're freed from this. So everything they're doing is under hypnosis, effectively. I don't think that was ever a part of the law was it or was it no not not that i'm aware of i don't really follow black widow law that much so i'm right. not clear on that yeah other than in avengers she makes a reference to having had her mind ripped out and be replaced with something else but i was mm. assuming that was kind of a more metaphorical Just thing standard, yeah. yeah standard brainwashing right throughout the years um yeah i thought the opening sequence when they were playing uh, uh nirvana's sounds like team spirit oh, yeah. uh, in the background of the training to become a uh, to become a Black Widow was pretty dark opening for for <laughs> for a Marvel film. Yeah, I, say. I thought it was going to, to down to a very dark turn. It was quite disturbing to see the girls being uh, caught and trained and separated uh, and brainwashed to becoming Black Widows. Yeah, I mean that was always a stone part of Age of Ultron as well, wasn't it? Where you'd um, yeah, you'd see them pit against each other and you'd uh, uh, and and indeed uh, surgically worked upon. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so he's a terrible guy. Um, it, and you, then you get this weird thing where she can't attack him because of pheromones. Yep. Uh, the, not, of course. Jumping to the end a little bit there, but um, so you get this horrific pit where, so we, we think that Rachel Vice has betrayed her, but it turns out she hasn't. She's double-crossed Drakeoff, which is fine. No surprises there. Uh, well, actually, there were quite a few people I read had thought Rachel Vice was going to be Taskmaster. That was that was a theory going around. So, oh, interesting. Um, but it's like, yeah, he's got these pheromones. He's made it so that if you smell him, you won't be able to attack him. And she's like, I'll just hold my breath. No, 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 I won't. You have to sever the nerve. Maybe the most disgusting thing in any uh, MCU film. She just smashes... <laughs> well, she gets him to punch her a few times, and then she smashes her head on the table to sever the nerve. Yeah. And then puts it back again later. I I don't know much about, about uh, physiology and stuff, but <laughs> if you sever a nerve, you can't just push it back, can you? I don't know. <laughs> Is it right in if you know about nasal nerves or something? Maybe Russian spies can do that. Who knows? Maybe. Oh dear. Uh, so yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't overly fond of him as a villain um, or Taskmaster. I thought Taskmaster, Taskmaster reminded me of Ghost actually. Yes. From Ant Man and the Wasp. Um, he, he definitely did. Um, yeah, Ghost as well was a male villain turned female. Um, oh right. In Ant Man and the Wasp, uh, and yeah, she just didn't have a lot to do and she definitely didn't live up to their full potential actually at least ghost fight scenes look cooler because she goes intangible and stuff she does um, so it looks a little bit cooler but yeah I, I felt such a waste of such iconic characters in uh, the Marvel universe I know Marvel has lots of villains and all that they could use but honestly Taskmaster is one of those who, who he's up there with one of the best maybe just do a Mandarin <laughs> maybe he'll come we, back we again. do it maybe maybe yeah yeah uh yeah, no, I say I, I. One thing I did think about was it might be nice to have Julie Delphi back. Um, we mentioned last time, I think, as having a a small part in Age of Ultron, where you saw her in flashbacks as being someone who ran one of the Red Rooms. That would have been nice for some continuity. Mm. But, um, but didn't. Um, one character we've not talked about, um, got a character called Rick Mason, uh, who gets his name into the into the credits. Um, who is her friend? Is a British spy who provide stuff for her uh i liked him yeah he was he's good he's pretty good uh 
Yeah, he was just a gopher, really. He was just there at the beginning and the end. He's um, clearly in love with her. Yeah, of course. Um, she doesn't seem to feel the same way, but she likes him. Uh, I think we'll see more of him. I think he'll be back. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like we had a point. Well, I, I like I like to say that you know Marvel has a plan <laughs> for all of these characters. Mm. I would like to hope that we'll see more of him. But there have been some side characters that Marvel has just used and ditch. So <laughs> Although even, I'm not holding my hopes up. Even the ones they've ditched, they sometimes bring back ten years later. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, I think we'll see him in Hawkeye. Uh, we'll talk more about that um, shortly, I guess. Oh, one thing I, I, I read about, I didn't actually realise. So, so Florence, Florence Pugh was wearing a vest, which she then gives to um, Scott Johansson, which apparently is the same vest she was wearing in Infinity War. Yeah, I definitely didn't realise. I that did all. not spot that, but for people who love spotting vest continuity, <laughs> uh, no wonder they keep pointing it out about how many pockets it has and how mm, functional it is. Um, that, but yeah, I definitely didn't re- notice that at all. I was like, ah, uh, okay. Yeah, the only bit we saw, we saw her holding some blonde hair dye at one point. Yeah. Like, so yeah. I yeah. I will soon be dyeing my hair blonde for the film Infinity War. Because why not? Because why not indeed? Yeah, it's the, it's the reason why Captain America grew a beard as well, right? Because yes. why not? Because no one will recognise him. Um, yeah, no, I... Well, one thing, so going back to the uh, the, the, the final sequence or the, the, the fight with Ray Winston, who has got some fairly vague world-taking-over plans or something, I didn't realise they were in a helicarrier until they started falling off it. And maybe I'm just dumb, but uh, I had no idea they were supposed to be up in the air. Just did, did you know that? Did I just miss a scene yeah. or something? No, no, I did. I, I knew they were flying up. Right. There, there was a scene that explained that. Okay. Um, there was a, you know, so at the end of the film, uh, Florence Pugh killed Dragoff by sticking a stick into his helicopter quite easily, to be fair. Yep. Uh, and then there was this very brief fight scene. Uh, in, in the air, when they were falling down between uh, Natasha and Taskmaster, you could see that in the trailers as well. Yeah, they put a lot of that in the trailers. Yeah, yeah. For someone who does not have any superpowers, Natasha seems to have some superpowers. <laughs> she survived a lot of stuff. She has. There's no way any any normal human being can actually do that. <laughs> I mean, I know that having a car blown up is, is nothing in the MCU. But, she, but still. She took a lot of hits. Um, she, I liked that scene, actually. I, I did like that, that fight scene as they were falling. I thought it was quite good. Um, although they were falling for a long time. I don't know how high up that helicopter was. Uh, yeah, that, that was... I thought that was done well. Um, you may disagree. Uh, I, I think I've, that might be everything I've got until we get to post-credits. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much it oh yeah one more thing the fire in this film looks so fake alright <laughs> so there, there was a point when she was running away from an explosion I was thinking that is like the worst CGI <laughs> fire I've ever seen yeah I don't know what the budget was for this thing but I feel that it was probably lower budget than uh, than some of them so poor so so poor so yeah that's my only there you uh, go come on uh, come on Marvel you must have some you must have some fire effects ready to go Just some, something better than that it's so bad it looks so so bad <laughs> But anyway, let's go to the the, the only post credit scene. So uh, post credits, we we see Florence Pugh. Um, we haven't, I haven't actually used her character's name. Yelena, isn't it? Yelena, yeah. Um, she's at the grave, which um, I, I don't know whether there's more than one Black Widow memorial grave or something, but this one leads very heavily with sister and daughter, considering that no one knew that she had a sister or a daughter. Uh, sorry, sister or, or a mother. Um, so it says sister, daughter, Avenger. Uh, Florence Pugh is there, dressed as Cher from Clueless. 
didn't did you see this is all i can think about i'm going to put a picture on my twitter account for anyone who follows me on twitter but she's wearing this yellow check thing that looks just like chef warren clueless that's all i could think of in that scene i'm not seeing clueless so. not seen clueless no no oh. uh well don't worry uh she's there and then um who should turn up but julia louis dreyfus contessa valentina i think that's good work um, who we've now seen in Falcon the Winter Soldier because it came out in a different order mm-hmm. uh, to intended to say, hey, Yelena, do you want to kill the guy who's responsible for your sister's death? Uh, and that is? It's Hawkeye, Clint Barton. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, who kind of is responsible for a death, in fairness. <laughs> if he was better at pushing her over. Uh, pushing she, himself over, you mean? Well, pushing her over then to jump over. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but yes, so we've, uh, we're, they're setting up Hawkeye, the TV series, which we already knew France Pugh was going to be in. Uh, and we've talked, I think, previously, but uh, it looks like Julia Louis Dreyfus is going to be kind of the Nick Fury for setting up a, a, the anti Avengers or the Dark Avengers. Dark or, Avengers, yeah. yeah. It seems like it, because at the end of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, he re- she recruited the US agent, yep. who's literally the counterpart of the Captain America, really. Yeah, so uh, this is. Uh, there's been some talk of, of General Ross's Thunderbolts. Oh, yeah. That, that, that is also uh, yeah, a counter Avengers, an anti Avengers. Yeah. And the fact that's that right. so General Ross is in, the, is in this film again, uh, he's someone who went missing. Like, he disappeared for a long time after Incredible Hot, then he was back. He's been in a few now. He was in um, Infinity War and Civil War. So I think, he, I think the reason you bring him back is to do something like this. So I expect it will be the Thunderbolts. It mm. might not be called that, but. Uh, yeah, so that kicks off Hawkeye, it looks like. Yep. Uh, well, I can't wait to watch Hawkeye. So Hawkeye, yeah, is one. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of Hayes Steinfeld, who's going to be in that, but um, I like this idea as well, bringing Florence Pugh. Um, I suspect I suspect after, it won't take too many episodes before she's teamed up with Clint. Um, yep. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely one I'm looking forward to. So, so overall, um, what do you think? Should, should, should our listeners rush out to see this one, DJ? Well, it's been a while since I've seen an MCU film, and if you do like the MCU universe, I think you should definitely watch this. And for those who do not even like superhero films, this is not your typical superhero film, I don't think. It's it's more grounded than not many superhuman yes, yeah. powers, I would say. Uh, and I, I, I did enjoy it. So it was definitely better than the England game. Um, <laughs> All comes around. Yeah, I, I I liked it. I just it just felt like a wasted opportunity for what could have been if they'd made this film five years ago. Yeah, we move on then to our segment actor factor, where we talk about the films of a particular actor, and this time it is uh, as not previously advertised uh, Tom Hollander. After we realised that uh, we've already done Mel Gibson, we've, we've done. Honestly, it. I've not heard of Tom Hollander before this. No, no. All right, um, you'd have seen loads of stuff there, right? Have I really? I've seen more stuff than I did. Carrie Mulligan. Cool. Do you know? Do you know who he is yet? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> like basically, I've seen a film, but I don't even know who he plays. You didn't. You, you didn't. You didn't look up a picture of him or anything. Yeah, I've seen his picture on the okay. Wikipedia page. Yeah. Fine. Uh, yeah, we said Mel Gibson, but we've done 136 of these now, so it's difficult to remember who we've covered or not. Uh, I've seen 14 of his films, Asian. I've seen four. Okay. Do you want to kick us off? Do I? You got more. Um, I've seen Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. We talked about it. Uh, we had a it's podcast. It's yes. yes. So there's nothing much to add to that. If you want to know what I thought about Bohemian Rhapsody, listen to that podcast. Mm. Um, I also seen Bird Box. I've um, seen Bird Box. All right. 
which was the Netflix film with Sandra Bullock about uh, aliens making you commit suicide if you look at them. So everyone's just walking around blind. Why is it called Bird Box? uh, Because they use birds in a box to... So when the aliens are close by, the birds will get agitated. So they'll listen to the the chirps of the birds to to warn themselves of uh, Uh, the aliens. I see. Yeah, yeah, that's good. It's okay. Uh, I think a quiet place was done. I think a quiet place was done before this. So yeah. this whole, uh, this whole novelty. So in quiet place, you can't make a lot of loud noises, and then this you can't really see. You know, it's really been done before. A quiet place has done it more successfully. So yeah, I think it's unfortunate for them that it came out around the same time. Exactly. So <laughs> yes. it just felt like a poor imitation of it. Yep, and then I saw the Mission Impossible film and some Pirates of the Caribbean films. Cool. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, I have not seen About Time. I love About no, Time. I've seen About Time. So good, so good. Uh, so About Time, Richard Curtis, Donald Gleeson, Rachel McAdams. Uh, he plays uh, the guy that Donald Gleeson is living with, and he's very funny in that film. Kind of just very. He's a playwright, and he's very cross all the time. Uh, he's very good. Um, it's one of the one of the few films where I can remember what he did in it. <laughs> As I say, there's a lot of these where I haven't written down. Um, He's a British actor, so he did uh, Maybe Baby, which again was a, was a Ben Elton film. Uh, Gosford Park, which was bringing lots together a lot of different British actors in a kind of classic murder mystery uh, film. And then Piccadilly Jim, which I think is a um, P.G. Woodhouse adaptation. Uh, the first time I really spotted him, though, was in Pride and Prejudice, where he played Mr. Collins uh, alongside Kira Knightley's Lizzie Bennet. Uh, and he was, I think, maybe the best thing in that film. He's a very different take of Mr. Collins than, than he'd seen previously. Okay. Kind of um, stammering and not making eye contact and stuff. I just thought he was very funny in that. He's, he's uh, often very very funny, but in a very different way to how he was funny in About Time. So it's quite versatile in that respect. Um, there's a film called In the Loop, which was kind of a spin-off to the thick of it. Not really. It was it was the same writer and some of the same actors, uh, but only one of the same characters. So, so Peter Capaldi played the same character in both, and Malcolm Tucker. Uh, the thick of it is uh, it's a very funny... Uh, very savage political satire with lots of swearing uh, and in the loop with something similar but um uh, where the british politicians uh, went over to america and he was one of he was one of the politicians involved um i don't think the film is as good as the tv series but it's still uh, still good uh, he's also in hannah uh, valkyrie uh, Br- yep. breathe which was andy circus's uh, film debut uh, starring andrew garfield and claire foy which is a good film uh, and uh, he voiced something in mowgli which was uh, Andy Serkis' second film, I think. So, so many films that I have not seen with him in it. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, he's he's a classic British character actor. But, um, he also does. I think he's maybe best known for the TV series Rev, which I've not watched. But um, uh, it sounds quite big. Uh, do you have a favourite of those small number of films that you've seen? These <laughs> it's Bohemian Rhapsody, right? Oh, okay. Well, more more than um, Mission Impossible Five. Yeah, well, I can't remember Mission Impossible Five. Right. I can't remember Boy Meets Um uh, And the least favorite, uh, one of the Pirates of the Caribbean films. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Uh, I would say my favorite is About Time. I love the film. Um, my least favorite. I quite like all these films. I didn't. I never really got on board with Gosford Park. Actually, um, oh. it just. I know a lot of people loved it. It just felt like an excuse to get lots of British actors together without <laughs> caring too much <laughs> about like- what happened to. Um, so yeah, I think it got some Oscar nomination stuff. I haven't seen it for a long time. Um, but there you go. Well done, Tom Hollander. Next time we're looking, it's look look back in Oscar. 
our segment where we look at a film that has won the Best Picture Oscar. Uh, what are we doing next time, Dijon? We'll be doing In the Heat of the Night. Heat of the Night. Sydney Poitier. Have you seen that before? Uh, yes, I have, yes. Ah. Uh, I'll, I'll be re-watching it for next time. Uh, I'm assuming you've not seen it before? Nope. No. That's time for me. Um, that's time to look forward to. Uh, we move on then to our final segment of the day, which is a quiz uh, on the film adaptations of Snow White. Uh, and I think you're one ahead for the... No, no. I think we drew oh, level. Oh, you leveled, didn't we? Yes, no, I, I, I level. So we're, we're level for the year, uh, Zijan. Uh, Sydney mm. White was originally going to be titled Sydney White and the Seven What? Ooh. How come this film didn't come out in my <laughs> my research? I did it not. Uh, no. I've seen this film. Uh, I, think I, I think I got it from my brother on DVD. Uh, this is with Amanda Bynes, right? That's the one. Oh, yeah. Why didn't this come out? Oh, this should have come out immediately. Maybe, yeah, Sydney White and uh, Seven. If I'm not mistaken, she went to join a sorority. Yeah. One of those college thing. Yeah. Uh, do, you know, uh, do, you, do you know the plot line of this film? No. <laughs> you, you but I, I, I do recall seeing the trailer for okay. some reason because I know it was Amanda Bynes. You might be able to guess I'm just it. Guess. I, I don't know. I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess, because of the sorority, the Seven Sisters, but it's probably Well, right. if you carry on watching the trailer, you'll see that she, no sorority would accept her, so she had to join, a, I guess, a fraternity, fraternity. Uh, full of dorks, the Seven Dorks. Ah, okay, that makes a lot more sense. Uh, question one from me is that, although he has two voice actors playing him, which dwarf does not actually speak in Disney's original Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs? Uh, dopey. That's correct. I didn't realize, I, I saw you had two voice actors, I didn't realize he didn't speak. Wow. What were they doing? Nice work, I mean, you get it. Um, in Snow White and the Three Stooges, uh, the actress playing Snow White had won an Olympic gold medal in which sport? Wow. <laughs> These are some hard facts, man. Uh, I think it's... Judging from the poster, I think it must have played a part in the film as well. Oh, really? Uh, Interesting. Uh, long jump. Figure skating. Huh. Of course. Long jump. You thought it was just a picture. <laughs> the poster was such as jumping. Yeah, I would like to see that. It would be hilarious. <laughs> uh, question two for me. Which Canadian singer voiced Snow White in Charming? An animated film which features the voices of many singers. Ooh. Uh, I have no idea, but I know some Canadian singers. Let me see. It could be Avril Lavigne. It could be Celine Dion. Uh, it could be Shania Twain. Could be Leonard Cohen, but I think they probably went for a woman. Um, uh, I'm gonna say. So, did you did did you give me a year? No, oh, no, fine. Um, I'm gonna say Avril Lavigne. Yeah, that's correct. Oh. Surprised you didn't go like Lennis Morrison because I think. Oh uh, yeah. It'll work as well. Well, that was a complete guess. Um, uh, what is the evil stepmother's name in Mirror Mirror? Oh my goodness! I've seen this. And it was too long. I kind of couldn't be. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's twelve letters. Like it's a, it's a horrible name. It's a horrible name. I can't believe you choose to ask this. Just uh, to ask this, I was contemplating on asking this. I was saying, no, I can't be that mean to Colin. That's such a horrible question to ask Colin. Sometimes, sometimes if I he think he wouldn't do something like this. To me. <laughs> Sometimes I think that looks like a horrible question. I'll write it down so that I don't have to learn it. Ah, uh, it's horrible. I know the name of the queen in 
uh, Snow and the Huntsman because Pride. yeah that doesn't help at all right. you can try answering that one too if it's the same but, uh, no it doesn't it's not I've checked I remember that yeah. <sighs> I hate this so much <laughs> Esmeralda Clementiana yeah of course it is uh, question three from me in Snow and the Huntsman what did the evil queen promise the huntsman in return for capturing Snow White Oh, I've seen this film. It, long, long, long-running listeners will know it features every year in the C to Z Awards um, as the, uh, the the Snow White and the Huntsman Award for a film no one wants to see. Um, actually, no, it's the uh, the sequel. Um, what does she promise him? I I can't think of anything he would want. Um, probably his freedom. Let's say his freedom. Mm, bringing back his dead wife. I almost said that, but I thought, doesn't he fall in love with Snow White? Maybe not. Oh, I suppose he can. Uh, fine. Well, what was his name? Question four. What was the name of the huntsman in Snow White and the Huntsman? It's Eric, isn't it? It is Eric. Good work. Uh, question four. Which Snow White adaptation features the dwarf's female cousins, the seven dwarf elves? Ugh. <laughs> uh, dwarf elves. Good lord. Um... <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, there was one called Happily Ever After, I think. I'll go with that. That's correct. Yes. Uh, one this already. I have one this already, and this is a horrible last question. because <laughs> um, yeah, Of course. I, I was really struggling with questions on this one, but I thought I need to have a question um, on the 1937 film. Yep. Uh, it's been re-released into cinemas eight times, Zijan. Uh Name any year in which it's been re-released into cinemas. That's uh, horrible Bear question. in mind that it was first released in 1937. That's such a horrible That's, question. Uh, you got eight years to choose on. Easy. That's so horrible. Easy. <sighs> I think now it's nineteen ninety three. Correct. That was the most recent one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also 44, 52, 58, 67, 75, 83, and eighty seven. So they're doing a hell of a lot and then they just stopped. Mm. I guess I don't know. home releases weren't really a thing for most of that period. So oh. yeah. And my last question for you, Colin. Yes. You like this? It's it's a yes or no answer. Yeah. Good, right? How kind. I know, right? Compared to what you put me through throughout <laughs> this whole quiz. Question five. Did Sean Bean's character, the king, die in Mirror Mirror? No. That's correct. Hurrah. He does love to die in a film, but not all the time. Uh, a glorious victory for me, Zijan. Um, <sighs> which puts me ahead for the year, maybe for the first time this year. Maybe, Probably, maybe yeah. not, I don't know. Uh, what are we quizzing on next time? Films based on the books by Leo Tolstoy. Ooh, I started reading War and Peace uh, last week. Yeah, I'm reading Anna Karenina. So there you go. Um, next time we're going to do a little bit on San Diego Comic Con, which is happening online, and I don't think it's going to be very eventful, but we'll we'll cover it. Um, well, what else are we doing, Zijin? Oh, this is this thing that you came out with, right? So we're talking about what potential villains may reappear in the Marvel universe. Yeah. So with um. Picking up on on a theory that I said last time, which I, wasn't just my theory, but this theory I have is is that uh, the big bad for this time or phase four is just going to be a team up of previous villains. We're going to look at which ones those might be. Um, sounds fun. See you then. Yep. Bye.